Hello and welcome to the Pandemic Puppy Podcast brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I'm super excited to be raising my puppy slash teenager Niffler alongside all of you. Although I'm a certified dog behavior consultant and a conservation detection dog trainer, I'm new to puppy raising as well, and we're right in the thick of all of this together. Today, we are talking about something a little tough. We are talking about under-socialized puppies. Whether your puppy is from a shelter or a less than stellar breeder or was sick during puppyhood or gosh knows what, it's totally possible to end up with a puppy that's a little bit behind in life and learning about life. As you know from our socialization episode, socialization does get a little bit harder as puppies age. So your puppy, as they get older, is more and more likely to be scared of new things, which is also known as being neophobic. Um, And if your puppy lived in a really deprived environment when they were really young, um, or maybe you get your puppy when they're four or five months old and they're kind of past that socialization window, but they are still puppies, this is going to be harder, and but you you fall into this category. This episode is for you, and it does not mean that all is lost. I really hope that you find this episode helpful going forward with your puppy. Before we get started, I always need to remind you that this podcast is made possible by our members on Patreon. For as little as three bucks a month, you support the podcast and get to submit questions for us to tackle at the end of each episode. As you've noticed, um, with our pause, we don't have any questions, but hopefully those questions will start rolling in again soon and we'll be able to start slotting in more Patreon questions um, in upcoming episodes. So if you're kind of looking at your puppy and you're like, I don't really know if they're under socialized how do I know? You know, maybe this is your first puppy. Maybe you've never heard of socialization or maybe you're just not quite sure. Let's talk about it. Okay. So of course, like everything, I feel like this is the first point I make in almost every pandemic puppy podcast, but it's going to vary a little bit based on your personality or breed. Some breeds are just going to be more reserved than other dogs. So if you've always had just, you know, that super stereotypical golden retriever puppy that just like loves everyone and is just like, oh my God, everybody's my best friend. And then you go ahead and get, uh, I don't know, a husky or, you know, we could pick on some other breeds as well, like a German Shepherd, for example. You might be really surprised at how kind of like reserved or unfriendly or even barky growly that puppy is, particularly as I kind of start hitting teenagerhood, so around six, seven months. Um, You might start seeing these things crop up and it might be really surprising, but it might be kind of normal for the breed and doesn't necessarily mean that they've fallen into into like an under-socialized category. Um, Of course, that doesn't mean it's not a problem, but um, you know, if just, you know, we're going to grade on a curve a little bit based on the breed. And we do need to know that, you know, as much as we're adjusting our expectations based on breeds, so in general, I would not expect a German Shepherd puppy to be as friendly and happy-go-lucky as your average Golden Retriever. Averages, averages, averages here, so please don't come at me. <laughs> um, that does that actually means that in general, if I'm raising a, gold, a, a German Shepherd or... <laughs> like I am, a border collie, I'm I'm actually going to be working harder because it doesn't come as easily to my puppy as if I had a young lab. If I had a baby lab puppy, I would actually potentially be more concerned about helping to teach my puppy not 
to pull me over and go over and jump all over everyone. Versus with my, my border collie, I actually, in retrospect, wish I'd spent a little bit more time teaching him that going over to say hi to people is actually a great thing because he, Niffler, is really great passing people. He's really great with people who are neutral. We can go and hang out at coffee shops or outdoor bars, those sorts of things. But people kind of approaching him to pet him and say hi if he hasn't had a chance to relax around them yet can feel really scary to him. And I actually think it's because I raised him a little bit more like a lab puppy than I should have. And I should have worked a little bit harder on helping him learn that people who are closing distance and getting closer, um, are, are are fine, are a good thing. And of course, it doesn't mean that all's lost. We're still working on it. I have full um, expectations and hopes that it's going to be fine with him. But, you know, I probably should have worked on that a little bit harder um, versus, you know, when my parents and I were raising our lab puppy. It just came really easily to us. Okay. The other thing about whether or not your puppy is under-socialized, it might just be really obvious based on their history. So if you get a puppy who's five months old, they were born in a shelter, and then they got parvo, and they were living in a parvo ward their whole lives, you kind of know they were under-socialized. Or sometimes we would get puppies back when I worked at Denver Dumb Friends League who had been in a hoarding case, or maybe not even a full-on hoarding case, but they you know, they were born in a backyard run and then raised in a kennel environment and had just like literally never been inside and never seen anyone except for their owner and their owner's kid, you know, like literally like two human beings ever in their lives. We did see that sort of kind of extreme situation somewhat frequently. Those puppies were really dramatically under-socialized. So, you know, in those cases, it's just kind of obvious based on their history. If you got them from a reputable rescue or shelter, they will warn you about that. Because even if the puppy kind of looks okay at a really young age, it's possible that that will come up later. And quite frankly, if they're coming from a really impoverished environment from that, it is unlikely that they quote-unquote look okay, even at a young age. So basically, one of the other things we're looking at is, is your puppy kind of fearful of other people or other dogs beyond just like a tinge of shyness? That's probably enough to warrant special attention. So again, of course, there's, you know, there's stuff to say about breed tendencies and those sorts of things. But I would argue that in many cases, that actually means that we want to work on it harder, not just kind of let it slide. So it's pretty normal for a young puppy um, when they meet a big scary Great Dane or um, a new person or whatever to maybe be a little bit hesitant, you know, to kind of do the puppy equivalent of like hiding behind your skirts and peeking out behind your knees. But it's not really considered normal for your puppy to urinate on themselves in fear, to back up barking and growling, to lunge forward barking and growling, or even just barking. You know, if you're getting like, again, hiding or startling is kind of one thing. It's still a little concerning, but you know, eh, that's okay. But if we're getting like full on like barking, screaming sort of stuff or, or really, really acute distress, we need help sooner rather than later. So again, if we're kind of seeing this like extreme startle response, or if the puppy is starting to escalate. So if they're going, they're not just afraid, they're not just startled, but they're actually really starting to bark, growl, air snap, their hackles are going up, and they're really, really distressed and even displaying something that looks like aggression, which, you know, we could argue probably is baby puppy aggression, you need to talk to a behavior expert sooner rather than later, someone like myself. Um, so look on the IAABC.org um, website to try to find a certified dog behavior consultant near you. If there's no one near you, journeydogtraining.com has got your back. We work with people all around the world. I had a call with someone in Kuwait a couple weeks ago. Um, 
So again, if you're kind of seeing those sorts of things, a good sign that, uh, yeah, your puppy's probably under socialized or something's going on that's similar and requires some amount of treatment. And B, this is not the time to get on a Facebook group. This is not the time to go to Dr. Google. This is the time to go ahead and just hire someone to help you right away because the prognosis is going to be much, much better if you work with an expert sooner rather than later. Let's take a quick break to hear about um, our sponsors, and then we will come back to talk about what to do about your under-socialized puppy. This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com blueprint. In this course, which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. And we're back. So say you're looking at your puppy. They're a little under socialized, a little more fearful than you'd like. You know, again, whether it's genetics or the environment or whatever it is, you're just not seeing the sociability that you wanted here's what we do about it. So the first rule is that we are going to go at their pace. So of course, the more severe the problem, the harder we're going to work, but that doesn't mean we're pushing them harder. It just means you have more to do. I hope that makes sense. Okay. So, you know, just because I have to walk a hundred miles doesn't mean that I should run it. <laughs> okay. That actually probably means I should go more slowly because I need to pace myself. And the same goes with these more extreme under socialized cases, under socialization cases, or, you know, when we're seeing aggression or escalation or like really, really extreme distress from the puppy, we're not going faster. We're just going to work harder. Okay. So we're going at their pace. If the puppy, if we're doing something that triggers distress from the puppy, we are pushing probably too hard. So any amount of like extreme distress, panic, aggression, anything like that, we don't want to be triggering that. And if you feel like you can't get a toehold, you can't find a level at which you can work on the problem without triggering some extreme emotional response from your puppy. Again, talk to a behavior expert like myself at journeydogtraining.com. And it might actually be time to loop in a veterinary behaviorist and talk about medication. Because if your puppy is consistently distressed, even in the simplest, most low stress environments that we can curate for them, that is a welfare issue. And, and we need to start thinking about our options to help them feel better in their environment. And medications are one of the options that we have there. So one of the other things that you can do if you've got a puppy like this, who's maybe a little bit disadvantaged, is you need to start spending some serious time learning puppy body language, dog body language. Um, I really like the Dog Decoder app for this. There's all sorts of great um, groups and books and all sorts of things that we will link to in the show notes. There's a really, really great um, picture textbook of canine behavior body language. I think it's like 40 bucks, so it is kind of expensive, but it was excellent at um, helping me learn a lot more about dog body language. And that's really important because we, we, we want to find the level at which your puppy notices the thing that is concerning to them. And we want to be working at that level. And that sometimes is a little bit more subtle of body language than most of us are used to working with. So most people, yeah, they'll recognize if the puppy has its tail tucked or its hackles up or has urinated on itself or is barking and growling. We, we catch those things. But what I actually want you to be doing as you're training your puppy is working at the step at, at a stage, kind of a step or two lower than that. So rather than waiting until your puppy's tail has totally tucked, you're waiting until they pause 
or they cock their head, or their pupils dilate, or their whiskers flare forward, or they close their mouth, or they stop panting. All of these different things are potential signs that your puppy has started getting a little bit distressed, and that's the level that we want to be training at. We want that moment where they're kind of like, ooh, ooh, I'm a little nervous about that. We don't want to be training at the point where they're panicking, okay? So once they do um, kind of notice the thing that they're concerned about, whether that's another person, or another dog, or a trash bag blowing in the wind, or whatever it is, if they seem safe and okay, just let them absorb it. Just stand back, take a deep breath. If you're relaxed and they're not relaxed and they're on their way towards being relaxed and they're just absorbing the world, we're okay, okay? So just, just let them observe if that's possible. And then if they turn and look back up at you, reward the heck out of that. If they start getting a little bit more distressed, then you can start supporting and cheerleading them. So if we kind of get to that point where the puppy has noticed the person and they've stopped breathing and they're looking at the person and you kind of pause and then your puppy gets more tense. Now I want you to start baby talking your puppy and moving away from that other person. When your puppy is ready, you may want to give them some sort of physical affection if they're soliciting it, if they want it. Don't just hug your puppy just because you want to. That might actually make things worse. Um, you can give them food, etc. But the most important thing is if they start getting more concerned, we're going to actually help them back up and help them learn that choosing distance, choosing to back away from the thing that they're scared of is the right call. Okay? So we're going at their pace, we're learning their body language, we're going to support them, let them absorb the world, and then cheerlead them afterwards. So if, you know, they look up, they notice that person, and then they look away again, reward the heck out of that, whether they're looking at you or just going back to whatever it is they were doing. And if they look at that person or that other dog, and then they start getting upset, then we're going to help them learn to choose space. The other thing that we're obviously, you know, we've already talked about this, but get help from a dog behavior consultant. Again, I like going with certified dog behavior consultants through the IABC. There are also some dog behaviorists, uh, or there's a dog behavior certification through the CPDT. So check both databases to see if there's someone in your area. Um, so that's again, CPDT and IABC. If you just Google either of those, you'll be able to find their, find a trainer like tools on their websites. Um, one of the other things we need to think about is adjusting your expectations. So if you got this puppy hoping they were going to be a therapy dog or a service dog puppy, and then you're starting to see any of these um, more concerning behaviors, it might be time to adjust your expectations and think about whether or not that is going to be the right job for this dog. Um, I know that's really heartbreaking. It's really hard to hear. It might be really frustrating, but we need to think about what's best for the dog, and that might mean adjusting your expectations. So, you know, be ready to accept that maybe this puppy is not going to be a puppy who goes to the to the uh, the outdoor coffee shop with you and all your friends on the weekends. Um, maybe this puppy is not going to be a puppy who enjoys urban walks. Maybe this puppy is going to prefer to be a little bit of a mountain dog, a trail dog, um, or a homebody even. So adjust your expectations. Um, and then, you know, we've already kind of described this, but continue thinking about counter conditioning. So that means exposing your puppy to the things that they're nervous of, as we've talked about earlier in this podcast, as well as in the socialization episode. But as the puppy ages, we're going to kind of increase counter conditioning. So that means, you know, with my puppy Niffler, who's struggled a little bit with stranger danger, um, Every time someone walks past him and he remains calm, he gets rewarded for that. Um, I would also reward him if he 
did not remain calm. But my top priority in that situation is actually to help him uh, move away from that person and, you know, kind of care for him emotionally. When he gets really upset about someone being too close to him, he generally wants to climb me um (laughs) and really wants a lot of like physical reassurance um and i go ahead and give that to him but again so we're doing a lot of counter conditioning so if a person gets really close i reward niffler for staying calm and if he's unable to stay calm then i go ahead and reassure him however he needs finally one of the other things we really want to think about here is is this a trend or is it a blip so sometimes as our puppies age, we have these things called fear periods. We've talked about them before on the podcast where, you know, you walk past the same trash can every single day. And one day, all of a sudden your puppy looks at that trash can is like, what the frick is that doing there? And has a big old meltdown. And then the next day they walk by it and they're fine. That's a little bit more typical of what we would call a fear period. Um, if you see something like that, eh, just kind of ride it out. It's not It's not going to be a big deal. But if your puppy's always been a little bit jumpy about things blowing in the wind and then has a really big meltdown one day over, you know, the trash can with the loose, uh, loose trash bag blowing in the wind, I would not write that off as a fear period. That's more of a trend. That puppy has been consistently concerned about things blowing in the wind. So now we really need to work on it. We might need to think more about kind of a concentrated behavior change plan. Okay. I know that I've been a little bit brief on kind of the actual nuts and bolts of how to work on this. And that's because it is the sort of thing that is high stakes enough and complicated enough that generally it's best done under the guidance of a professional. So hopefully this gets you off on the right start is enough to carry you over while you're waiting for your appointment with your dog behavior consultant in the next week or two. If you're struggling with this, I would really, really urge you to go ahead and just get the help. Um, It's... it, it. It's so important to get your puppy off on the right foot. And if you can afford it at all, I would go ahead and do that. Um, If you can't afford it, do go ahead and reach out to me, Kayla at journeydogtraining.com. I offer um, some financial aid and whatnot to help get puppies through this. It is just, it is so important and I'm so passionate about it that if you can't afford a trainer or um, even the remote services that Journey Dog Training offers, um, do just go ahead and reach out. We um, we are happy to help and help kind of create a plan um, for you and your puppy going forward. <clears throat> So we don't have any Patreon questions this week. As I said, um, we took our break over the summer and we just haven't kind of, we haven't hit that Patreon momentum again um, for questions. So thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Make sure you subscribe, review, and um, consider supporting the podcast over at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. You can sign up for the puppy raising blueprint course at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. And you can join the free pandemic puppy raising support group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.